Hey guys, welcome to the Justify Your Existence podcast feed from the Daily Journal Podcast Network. You might have heard that JYE is undergoing a bit of a platform change, and that's true. Going forward, this feed will feature a discussion about the SEC from Parrish Alford and Dalton Middleton, as well as the great Ole Miss content that Parrish has been bringing you right here in this feed. And soon, Dalton will have exclusive Mississippi State features for you to listen and interact with as well. So hit subscribe. Give us a rating and leave us a review to tell us what you like about the show. And feel free to reach out with any questions or feedback through our email, digital at journalink.com. Call us, 662-842-2611, or direct message us on any of our social media feeds. Thank you from the Daily Journal. Now enjoy this episode of JYE. Hello, Mississippi and abroad, and welcome to Justify Your Existence, where we talk about the hot topics through the lens of Mississippi. I am Parrish Alford, the Ole Miss beat writer with the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal, and I'm joined by Dalton Middleton, our Mississippi state writer. Folks, we'd like to welcome aboard the Oxford Park Commission as a JYE sponsor. They're also a part of the Facebook group, Ole Miss Discussion with Parrish Alford. They're serving the needs of the Lafayette, Oxford, and University communities. We are thrilled to have them on board. Dalton, I feel more physically fit just by osmosis from having these guys uh, along for the ride. Now, what do you do, man? Are you a jogger or a walker? I know you do something. Uh, I am definitely a jogger. I've always been uh, – If I when I work out, I'm always I'm – I'm a runner. I'm a jogger. Uh, I ran cross country back in, back in the day, and I've always been kind of a jogger. I, li- I like to go out there and run a little bit. That's interesting, man. I, I would not have pegged you as a cross country guy, and, and that happens. That happens when we get older. You kind of, kind of, kind of getting that. You get that old man vibe going. So anyway, that's good to hear. Um, I've never been a runner. Never been a jogger. Uh, swore off weights uh, after high school football, and uh, I do a lot of walking. Lots of walking, and um, that's kind of uh, that's kind of where I am. I've gotten in older. In the old age here, I've really uh, taken a liking to uh, to trails and uh, getting outdoors and walking, but that's uh, that's a small part of it. Usually, I'm uh, down the road at the gym. We're about two minutes away from uh, from our local place, and and uh, spend a lot of time uh, on the on the treadmill there early in the morning. Usually, Dalton, we're there about five forty-five. Um, Oof, a, little, my, a little too early for me. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, there's some nights where I'm going to bed about 5.45. Well, uh, I'm glad that we can come together at this time. Uh, folks, you can find uh, work from Dalton and I online at djournal.com. Click that drop-down menu on the left, scroll down to the Ole Miss and MSU pages and watch the stories flow. We're on Facebook, too, Mississippi State Discussion with Dalton Middleton and Ole Miss Discussion with Parrish Alford, lots of good things going on in those groups. Rate us on Apple Podcasts, five stars if you feel like we're there. We're trying, and we appreciate your support. Dalton, we uh, we spoke earlier in the week about interest in basketball and, and how quickly fans can kind of bail on uh, Ole Miss and MSU and, and really how I, th- I think they tend to do that uh, quicker uh, than football and baseball. But it, it got real Wednesday night. For Ole Miss, and I think you can, you can honestly uh, mention this team and NCAA tournament in the same sentence. Now, a lot of work to be done, but after they really thrashed uh, Missouri Wednesday night, uh, eighty to fifty-nine, 
Uh, that's two wins over top 15 ranked opponents. Uh, top 10, if uh, some of the polls had uh, the Vols number 10, AP had them number 11. Uh, but that's two really big quadrant one wins. And in the middle of that was uh, another one with a, a road win in overtime at Auburn. And I think you can mention this team as a possibility now. They're playing with more energy. Uh, last two games, they've, they've hit shots that they just hadn't been doing. So playing better on offense, better spacing, better shooting. Uh, a lot of water is under the bridge. So they, they can't afford too many missteps. Uh, but they got five games left. They got a net ranking of 56. Uh, they got a chance to improve that. So uh, it's going to be interesting to watch them down the stretch. One of those games, obviously, is uh, Mississippi State coming in. And uh, that's on the, the 20th, I believe, uh, in Austin. Yeah, it'll be next, yeah. next Saturday. Um, and, you know, and the way Ole Miss is playing right now, I don't think they have too much to worry about with Mississippi State, especially with Ole Miss is kind of on an upward trend, like you just mentioned. State is on a really, really, really bad downward trend towards the end of the season. Um, but, no, it's funny because uh, I, I, I was actually talking to Jake Thompson a, a few weeks ago. I think it was after the Tennessee win. I said, Ole Miss looks like a tournament team. And, uh, you know, we just kind of blew it off because at that point, you know, it, they didn't actually look like a tournament team. It's just, you know, they just had one good win. And now uh, – Last night he takes me back and he said, "I think you, uh, I think you spoke it into existence." <laughs> uh, and or whenever it was Wednesday night, um, whenever that happened, and uh, I just had to laugh because uh, it, it just seems like you know they are playing really really good basketball right now, a couple really good wins, and you know there's a chance that I don't know if I know State before Wednesday's game was still able to battle for a double buy in the tournament. So I think it's still possible for Ole Miss, maybe. I'm not sure. Yeah, everybody, yeah, everybody was bunched up there in the standings. So you know how this series goes, though, Dalton. It's really hard to sweep this series. Uh, Ole mm. Miss had a nice win there in Starkville. Uh, I, I would not expect an easy time for the Rebels by any stretch when State comes in. And, and here's the thing. Again, Ole Miss needs to stack wins right now. They, they need to get some wins. I mean, they've got – a nice number of quadrant uh, quadrant one wins with four. Uh, if they uh, if they get the wins up there, I mean they, they're gonna if they just improve their record, they're gonna have a, a really strong argument because of their quadrant one wins. Uh, so they they need to keep winning. But in the strange way that that this works, if they only lost one game, they had five regular season games left, and usually you'd look down the schedule and say, oh my gosh, they still got to play Kentucky. Right. You know, and there's just not that fear right now. You don't fear mm -hmm. Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky could come into Oxford and win. Wouldn't be surprising at all. Uh, they could flip a switch with the talent they have in the way that the Rebels have, have flipped a switch. But uh, you don't look down the schedule at any of these games and say, well, that's an L. And if they only lost one game and it was to Mississippi State, let's say they, they go four and one in the last five and they lose to State, that could possibly uh, help state's net ranking become such that it's viewed as a quadrant one win. It, right. Yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah. So, I mean, so that could, that could have a, a backdoor benefit if it works out that way, but it only works out that way. Uh, it really only works out for Ole Miss if you just keep winning. Just, just yeah. win. Yeah. So I think, I think it, the good thing for Ole Miss in the situation is the fact that the best thing about Ole Miss's team that I've seen is the defense. And, um, 
because if Ole Miss has a, a low scoring game, like they are very able to do when, you know, when they sometimes they can't shoot anything, um, the defense is going to hold the other team to at least a low amount of points. And I think that's kind of the issue that uh, State's been having is, is kind of the opposite of that because State um, is kind of built around, it seems like sometimes they're built around an offense, but then all of a sudden they got there and turned the ball over 26 times and get beat by 30 points. And it's just it just doesn't really uh, they don't have the defensive the defensive might that Ole Miss has I guess um, when it comes to forcing turnovers and keeping it low scoring game keeping themselves in the game whenever they're having when they're struggling on offense. Well, you mentioned that, but the defense really wasn't there for them when they had those two head scratching losses uh, at Arkansas. And Georgia, it wasn't that they lost at Arkansas, but it was just how they lost and, and really didn't play well. Uh, Georgia, you, you got to win those games. You got you got to beat teams like Georgia right now because they're rebuilding. They're kind of, you know, trying to find themselves as well. South Carolina is one of those teams uh, coming up Saturday. Uh, the Gamecocks just five and eight overall. They've had some some uh, COVID uh, cancellations and postponements. So so five and eight, uh, three and six, I think, or three and five in a conference. Yet they almost knocked off Alabama uh, on Tuesday. We talked about right. that. Uh, earlier in the week. So anyway, Rebels need to keep stacking wins. Uh, looks like uh, Kermit Davis is pushing the right buttons right now, but getting some play from some different guys that, that haven't, like Sammy Hunter coming off the bench and having big minutes and big plays against Missouri. Uh, Dalton, uh, how many likes and retweets does it take before you can say something has gone viral? Is, 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 there, is there a rule to that? I don't think there's a rule to that. It depends on the person. I think, you know, some people get, you know, five, 10 retweets or five, 10 likes and all of a sudden they, they think they went viral, but I don't know. Uh, I think when it just starts reaching an audience that you wouldn't expect to start reaching maybe. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, I think my Marshall Henderson clip went viral Thursday morning. I, I think I, I'm, I'm going oh, to say tweet it out. Yeah, I tweeted it out. It went, uh, it, it's, it, it just like caught fire, kept going and going, you know, well over a hundred and, and, and still going. And, uh, and what it was, was, um, of course I, I get to the game early and I get set up and, and if uh, maybe I have work to do, or maybe I just read a little bit, but I, I, I get, uh, I get there early and hunker down. And so I was watching, uh, Marshall Henderson, now a graduate student manager at Ole Miss, uh, do some shooting with a couple other guys just messing around before the game, way, way before the team came out for warmups. Well, other guys left. He was out there by himself still shooting. And I thought, well, let me get a clip of this. Well, then he backs up to like almost half court mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and lets one fly. Uh, Ole Miss fans might remember that shot against Vanderbilt, uh, you know, to kind of, uh, I guess, I forget if it sent them to overtime or if it, or if it was won the game. I, I think it was more like it sent them to overtime. Years ago, big shot, almost half court. So uh, he sinks it again, just steps into it, just drilled it. And and I've mentioned before that he, he's still the best three-point shooter on the team. He just, you know, he's just on the team as a graduate manager, and uh, they could still use him. But uh, that's uh, – I think that went viral Thursday. That's out there at Parrish Alford on Twitter, folks, if you want to take a look at it. Dalton, one of the things that uh, I really like is we – remake justify your existence here and uh, john luke mccord has talked with us about this a lot is is the feed and in addition to uh to the shows we produce main shows like this just a little extra things 
that uh, go into the feed so people can see the new show pop up. But when they look behind the new show on their device and just see all of the older shows and all of the extras that we call them that have stacked on top of one another, it, uh, uh, lots of good content there. As I say at djournal.com, watch the stories flow. You watch these uh, watch these shows and podcasts line up uh, one on top of another. But you had a nice chat uh, yesterday with uh, Mississippi State baseball super fan. Uh, you may have a better name for him than that. Uh, tell us tell us how it went. Yeah, uh, it went really well. I, you know, I know his name, but uh, he wants he wanted to stay anonymous for the podcast. I think uh, I think he's he's got some sources inside and everything. He doesn't want his name out there in case anybody approaches him or anything. But um, yes, uh, Mississippi State baseball fan on both Facebook and Twitter. It was his name, and um, yeah, he just we just talked. Uh, we talked the injury news. He actually broke some uh, some news the other day about Braylon Skinner, who was going to be one of Mississippi State's starting outfielders. He apparently is out with a hand injury, maybe broken, so he's going to be out for about four or six weeks. We talked about that, and um, then we just talked about the pitching staff and how uh, you know how promising they look and how everyone's kind of high on them. And then you know just talked about a couple position battles the team has. Third base is a pretty big position battle right now going into the season. State has a new second baseman, graduate transfer from Jacksonville, who has, you know, 250 career hits. So we talked about State picking up somebody, a seasoned veteran like that. And we just, you know, we just had a nice little 30-minute conversation. And just, I mean, once we started, it was it was just 30 minutes of just pure State baseball. So if anyone is, uh, you know, looking forward to Mississippi State baseball after, you know, being disappointed game after game by the men's and women's basketball teams, uh, you can give that one a listen. You have 30 minutes of that talk for you. Well, tell me, how did this guy uh, build the audience that he has? I know there's a lot of interest in Mississippi State baseball, Ole Miss baseball as well. Um, but, man, what is he, uh, 20,000? Yeah, so from what I've gathered, is what he kind of said last night was he started he, – he became a fan in the late 70s. I think it was 78 or 79 whenever he was in high school. And uh, um, and then as he just kept following the team and, and, and started liking the team more and more, I mean, he, he is a he's a super fan. You know, this is no just like, oh, you know, he, he loves the team. Um, and then I think he said in 2008, 2009, when Twitter started getting bigger, he joined and he realized that there was no Mississippi State baseball fans or anything. There was no – I guess there was no official account since. So he just made this account and just – posted if anything happened with the team he was he was the one posting uh the scores he was posting what was happening and I think they just people just flocked to that early because uh there was nothing else on there so I imagine whenever they made the official account they were probably like who is this guy over here you know what, what's <laughs> going on they, they probably had some issues with that um trying they're both tweeting out the same things um and so that's just how he, he I think he took advantage of there not being one when before there was actually one and got a lot of followers. And now he's just a, if there's anything, if there's anything on Twitter at all about Mississippi state baseball, it it's on his page. He retweets it, quote tweets, it puts it out there. Same thing with Facebook. He's always putting a lot of stuff and he's got a lot of sources inside uh, because, you know, some of the stuff that he puts out there is, uh, is stuff that, you know, I don't have many, I don't have too many sources. I mean, I'll be honest, you know, just starting on this beat this year. Um, 
but he's putting some stuff out there that I can't even get confirmed that, you know, 24 seven can't, it's not getting confirmed. So like he's, he's got some no in there. So, you know, he, he's, a he's got some, uh, some quality information. He's, you know, he's, he, he the, the follows are, the following is deserved for him because he, he, he knows what he's talking about. Sourcing takes time, man. And, and it, it evolves. Um, is he just a baseball guy or is he all sports with state? He's just baseball. As soon as the season's over, he jumps right into recruiting and camps and all kinds of stuff. He's just strictly baseball, 365 days a year. Interesting, uh, folks. Uh, lots of good stuff there in the feed. That's just uh, that's just part of it. Um, speaking of of baseball, Dalton, you and I both have, have really uh, pumped up the pitching staffs uh, for both of these schools, Ole Miss uh, and Mississippi State, and uh, I noticed that. Uh, when the SEC coaches release their uh, projections, their preseason poll, and this baseball is different now, in spite of the interest, uh, the overwhelming interest in the South, and in particular Mississippi. And I, I'm going to go down a, a rabbit hole here, Dalton. One of the things I find very interesting about uh, college baseball in Mississippi is, you know, we we know this stadium that State rebuilt and opened, uh, what two years ago, the the, right. the, new, the new Duty Noble. We we have seen. Uh, the evolution of uh, of Swayze Field at Ole Miss, just the the incredible facilities at both of these schools, arguably the two best stadiums in the country. I think you can no make doubt. a case for that. I mean, you know that that's always subjective. That's always going to be someone's opinion. You know, it's going to be this poll or that poll. You know, and they're going to talk about uh, uh, atmosphere and things like that. But I, I just think you can make a real strong case for Ole Miss and State um, as the best baseball stadiums in the country in Mississippi and just like, what, uh, an hour and a half from each other, you know? Yeah, it, it, it is very subjective, and people are always going to disagree with you. But I think objectively anyone in the country can say that both of them are in the top five for sure. You know, I think that's objective. Um, but, yeah, like being number one, of course, you know, Arkansas fans are never going to admit that. Ole Miss fans are never going to admit states might be better. State fans are never going to admit the Ole Misses might be better. So, And LSU is going to be up there. Okay, they're, they're, they're going right. to be in the mix, too. But so much of it is, of it is about atmosphere. And I'll tell you, um, when I think of just the stadium, the physical structure uh, at uh, Skip Burtman Field there, which I like to refer to as the Skippy Burt. But uh, in, anyway – it's just not the same. It's not on the same level as the, the physical structure that I see uh, talking press box, sweet club, uh, those, those elements uh, that I see in Starkville and Oxford, my opinion, not on the same level. Right. One thing I think LSU has done a great job with is their hall of fame, their tribute area to their, all their great teams, uh, the, the plaques of their great players, uh, the, the, you know, a statue or two somewhere out there. Uh, the one that I remember was not uh, Skip Burtman, but but the tiger, you know, the, just the, the the tiger out there that I thought was uh, was pretty cool. So LSU certainly has done a great job uh, uh, as well. But uh, anyway, <clears throat> getting back uh, on the uh, SEC preseason poll, as with all the excitement, all the the following that there is in the South. The, the only preseason poll really is what the coaches put out. I mean, uh, you know, the wire services don't cover it. Uh, you know, it's, it's just what, what the coaches put out is what you get. And so as we have, as we are high and think uh, 
not not high, it, you know, not really high, but as as we are uh, really impressed by the pitching at these schools, um, they're not as impressed. These SEC coaches, uh, two preseason teams, and and not uh, not an MSU or Ole Miss pitcher among them, starter or reliever. Uh, they put two starting pitchers and one reliever on each team. So you got a preseason first team, a preseason second team, and uh, no. Uh, Ole Miss or MSU mentioned at all. Why, why do you think that is? Uh, that doesn't really surprise me too much, especially on the, you know, I'll talk a little bit more on the state side, but, you know, whenever the preseason polls came out, I could have told you beforehand that uh, both Kumar Rocker and Jack Leader were going to be on there for Vanderbilt. Uh, and I thought they were both, they would both be first team. I, I haven't seen this Alabama pitcher pitch before, yeah. and I haven't seen the Florida guy pitch, I don't think, but uh, obviously they're good. Um but I don't think, you know, states, state has three guys that, that they're saying has the, have the potential to be first-round picks, all three of them in the weekend rotation, and Christian McLeod, Will Bedner, and Eric Sarantola. And, you know, D1 Baseball has mentioned that just because of the, the, the raw stuff he has, Eric Sarantola could possibly, you know, be considered as the number one overall pick. Um, but none of these guys have the experience or the uh, they haven't proved themselves in SEC play because a lot of these like Christian McLeod was a he's a freshman still you know he had, last year was his freshman year he's a freshman All American and never played SEC game you know Will Bedner's never pitched an SEC game Eric Sarantola was never really I mean he I think he's pitched an SEC game before but he really just jumped onto the scene kind of at the end of last year and you know this year he's improved so much so. Yeah, it'd be hard to put those guys on there. Like, you can talk about how good they are, and they, they are good, but they haven't proved themselves like Kumar Rocker has, you know. Like, that the guy who went out there and threw a no-hitter in the – was it the College World Series or the Super Regional two years ago? And then um, Jack Leader is – well, Jack Leader kind of hasn't proved himself too much at Vanderbilt, but he's got the name behind him, so – with his dad, so. Well, if, uh, if those guys are – or all that, man. It's still uh, they're not even picked to win the division over there in the East. That was uh, that was Florida, right? Yeah, Florida. Um, people have a lot of faith in Florida over there. Yep, yeah. uh, Ole Miss and State uh, picked one, two in the West. Uh, I really do like this uh, this Ole Miss rotation of Doug Nikhazy, Gunnar Hoagland, and uh, and and Derek Diamond. But again, for all the reasons you just mentioned there, uh, we haven't seen Derek Diamond pitch uh, in an SEC game. Uh, that that'll come. But uh, he was he was good uh, in the rotation last year as a true freshman. Uh, Nick Casey is a guy that pitched a lot. Uh, you know, won the super regional game uh, at, uh, at at Arkansas, and you know, put uh, Ole Miss on the doorstep there of uh, of the College World Series. Couldn't finish it in 2019. Couldn't get there. But um, he, he can if he doesn't get the call on that breaking ball. If he doesn't you know, quite get it where he needs to put it, then he can put himself in a bad spot with some walks. And so I uh, saw that a little bit, but he, t he tends to uh, tends to battle out of those situations a lot. He's, he's not a guy that uh, has really given up a lot of bad innings, you know, where, where teams have been able to string a lot of hits together. So uh, you know, he will be uh, the, the uh, Friday starter. And then Gunnar Hoagland, who is, uh, is really has the reputation of strike thrower and, and really uh, improved that last year when he led the team in ERA and, and really just holding down those walks. And really, he's a guy that uh, 
when he throws it toward a home plate, he knows where it's going. A lot of guys, you know, they, they throw in hope and wish, but, uh, right. uh you know, Hoagland, uh, he, he hits the spots. So, uh, anyway, uh, good rotation. And, and it all starts with that. I, I think, uh, uh, big, um, question for Ole Miss going into the season is going to be less about pitching because in, in addition to their three weekend guys coming back, uh, everyone, they had four seniors last year, all contributed mm-hmm. in, in some way, uh, some more than others. Uh, one coming back uh, or one they were going to miss last year, Tyler Myers, because of uh, Tommy John surgery. But uh, all four of those seniors are back. All four took advantage of the NCAA's offer of an extra year of eligibility. So they're going to be deep in the bullpen as well. The big question for Ole Miss is going to be, how do you replace that enormous amount of production from the left side of the infield, Tyler Keenan at third base and uh, Anthony Servideo at shortstop? And there are going to be options. There are going to be multiple options. But again, many of these options, you're talking about guys that uh, that haven't gone through the SEC schedule yet. Now, one of them uh, has Tim Elko. And I was surprised to see Tim Elko's second team, All-SEC, uh, when that team was released. Uh, the other Ole Miss mention was uh, Hayden Dunhurst, catcher, saw, uh, who played last year, freshman, sophomore. The el- eligibility gets all skewed right, right. now. Uh, but anyway, he was a freshman last year, so he played the 17 games. Second team, All-SEC, when the coaches team came out. Uh, and Tim Elko at third base, second team as well. Elko hit 354 last year, Dalton, but again, it's only for 17 games. And while he was a, a junior last year, he just had not hit at that level, played at that level as a freshman or sophomore, but looks like a, a late bloomer. And you see this with guys sometimes. It, it doesn't click with everybody as a freshman, but he has right. stayed in. He has worked. He's like a 6'4", 230 guy, just really, really physically uh, has has the tools. So we'll see uh, if Tim Elko can can hit at that pace for the full season, and he will be a big part of the answer of uh, who replaces that production on the left side of the infield. Yeah, and I don't want to take a shot at Tim Elko here, but uh, it's going to be really tough to replace or to, to replicate that production when you think about it. Because, you know, they played 17 games last year and hit 350, that's, that's a great season right there. I mean, he's obviously a good hitter. But um, you think about playing in a full season and playing 30 SEC games, you know, playing uh, – you know, I think Ole Miss, Ole Miss has one of the tougher SEC schedules too. I think play, they play Florida and Vandy, I think, don't they? Um, yeah. So Florida and Vandy's pitching staffs are going to be uh, much more improved than uh, Princeton and Xavier's. Uh, you know, in ULMs in Alcorn State, those teams that Ole Miss was putting up 17 runs against every year, every game last year. Um, but but he he is he's gonna have. To... Is that you or me, Dalton? Where's that coming from? That was that was me. I have no idea how that. I don't have anything open. That was just weird. You got demons in your laptop. I guess so. I've had this. It was a tab I've had open the whole time we've been doing this. Um, <laughs> and I don't know. That was weird. Um, sorry. Yeah, but you know, Florida and Vandy's uh, Florida and Vanderbilt's pitching staff's not the same as Princeton, Xavier, and uh, Alcorn State, and, and those those uh, teams that 
almost was putting 17 runs up against last year. Um, but, you know, obviously he has the talent. You hit 350, you obviously have the talent to, to hit at that level and, and help replace that production loss. And I think kind of um, shifting over to the Mississippi State side, it's kind of the same story for them. You know, the pitching staff's really good. You know, it's, it's talented. There's no questions there. But then State lost two infielders that are um, – that had a lot of production, you know, Jordan Westberg and Justin Foskey, shortstop and second baseman, were both first-round draft picks last year. And so State's having to fill those two holes. And so it, it's kind of the same story in, in both Starkville and Oxford in that situation. And um, and that's one thing that me and uh, me and the guy I talked about last night in the, in the special podcast was, uh, you know, State picked up Scotty DeBrule this year from Jacksonville University. He's a graduate transfer to play second base, and he's a uh, – he has shined so far in the spring scrimmages. You know, he's, he's got 247, 200, 247, I think, career hits. He's like third among active players. He's a four-year starter um, at Jacksonville. And then he's just, you know, he's he's been one of the best fielders on the team. So that looks like he might step in and replace Justin Foskey. I mean, he won't have the home run numbers. He's a contact hitter. But um and then shortstop Cameron James um, moves over to shortstop from third base. He, he was a freshman last year, played 13 games, 14 games, and uh, moving back to his uh, the position he's most comfortable at at shortstop. So now third base is open for state. And, you know, I don't think they replaced the power numbers from those two guys they lost, but they can replace the, the on-base percentage, I think, because state is not going to be, unlike Ole Miss, who's going to be a power-hitting team, state will probably be a middle-of-the-pack, you know, Home, as a home run team, they're going to be a they're going to be a get on base and make you pay on the base pass type of team instead of that home run power every two three at bats. It seems like some teams have. Well, I tell you what, uh, you mentioned Ole Miss's power, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see if they can replicate that. They've they've got some guys, a lot of guys who had some success. I wrote about Kale Baker uh, in the paper this week and and online uh, uh, before that, and and he's a guy that just kind of burst onto the scene against number one Louisville last year, had a two home run game, had a big weekend. And he just kind of went downhill after that. I mean, he just kind of peaked on the first weekend and, and not that he vanished completely. That's not what happened with Kale Baker, but he became uh, less consistent. Uh, uh, at one point, his average uh, falling below 200, he got it back up to 234 and then uh, when they pull the plug on the season, I think he was hitting 220. He finished with four home runs uh, after that uh, that big weekend. So they're really trying to help Kale become more consistent. And they feel like last year that he he took some pitches, uh, got really careful at the plate, almost tentative, took some pitches that they they really would like him to uh, be more aggressive with this time around. Uh, see if he can uh, make contact, put him in play, and and uh, and really just uh, make something happen. But uh, we'll see, uh, folks. That'll wrap us up for this edition of Justify Your Existence. We're looking at the big topics in Mississippi, looking at the big topics in college sports, SEC and the nation through the lens of Mississippi. We are excited to have Oxford Park Mission as a sponsor partnering with us and be sure to check out our work at djournal.com. Find that drop down menu on the left, click on the Ole Miss and MSU pages and just watch the stories flow. Thanks for being with us folks. Come back and join us next week.